oh boy, I have a really lovely conversation that I have the pleasure of sharing with you today. This week, I got the chance to sit down and talk to my friend Erin. She is a crossfitter, a mom, a pelvic floor physical therapist. She is a doer of many things and a wearer of many hats. We unpack pelvic floor health. We talk about how does she make the time to do everything she does? How does she how does she have the time, the energy, the brain space to do all of the things? She shares with us some of her best tips and tricks. And we also talk a little bit about calling ourselves out on our own stuff. When do we know when we need to kind of kick our own butt back into gear and what that looks like for her. This was a great episode that I'm so excited to share with you. Before we dive in, I do want to take a moment to ask you, as I always do, please share, give me five stars, review this. The only way to spread the word on the episode, if you do, do me a favor, do me a solid. If you are curious about working with me, you can find me over on workwithgmk.com or if you're curious about what working with me looks like, check me out on Instagram at gm underscore K. I have many different ways that I can help you out on your journey, whether it be a deep dive, a phone call, weekly accountability, lots of options. There's fitness options, whatever you need, I probably have. So check out my website. If you want more information, reach out to me. I would be happy to help. Okay. No more stalling. Let's get into it. Here is my conversation with Erin. All right. Crossfitter, business owner, weightlifter, mother, physical therapist, aware of many hats, but also a doer of many things. Erin, you are a wealth of knowledge in so many areas, but I think that more than that, you embody everything that you learn. And from the looks of it on social media, you do a really good job of giving yourself permission to honor the season of life you're in with tracking food or not, whether you're changing your fitness priorities as goals change, all of it. So as aware of many hats, tell us, hi, how are you? Who are you? What's going on? <laughs> hi, um, I, I'm great. I, I thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Um, yes. What is going on? What is currently going on is, um, in the broader sense, I uh, have just started a physical therapy practice. I'm in private practice as a pelvic floor therapist, um, but I do treat lots of orthopedic stuff because usually what happens is my orthopedic people come in um, and like their shoulder pain will end up being a pelvic floor problem. <laughs> so um, I just started doing that out of open box athletics in Philly. And, um, it's been an amazing transition from like conventional PT. And, um, I also bought a house recently and I have two kids and I'm making that work. And like, I'm sure many people who are going to be listening to this, um, they just went back to school. And so that's insanity. Um, and then more immediately, I just got back from Mexico city, visiting a friend and, um, Actually, that friend is also somebody who knows a lot about nutrition. So we were just talking about that. And I was thinking about recording this podcast. Um, so that's what I'm up to, I, basically. That's a, a good full life. We'll use the word full here. Um, so selfishly, I have a bunch of questions that I want to ask because I personally went through eight months of physical therapy for diastasis. I worked with mm. a private practice, um, pelvic floor PT. And I was convinced before I started that this sort of physical therapy was going to fix my belly. So I am like the epitome of like 
I'm not really comfortable in my skin. My belly is an area that I'm like, eh, not super happy with. Right. But in reality, that was just part of the problem, right? I needed mm. to get my diet, focus on getting stronger, manage my stress, which is a huge one. When you have clients mm. that come to you, what's your approach when it's not just one thing, right? Like you said, you have a client that has a shoulder issue. Well, it's not actually the shoulder, it's your pelvic floor, right? How do you focus on not just that one thing, but the many things that need to be refined? What's your approach there? Oh, I think that's a really good question because it can be really difficult to um, triage, right? Like to know where we're at. And I'll kind of use um, a story as an example, maybe. Um, so I have this current patient who um, I see a lot of people who are high level athletes, but this particular person is not um, and is, you know, had had barely been doing like walks before they gave birth, which by the way, I think is like normal in our general world for people not to be given any kind of like um, uh, guidance on, for instance, strength training before they have a kid. So going into pregnancy, it was her first one um, and really just having no base underneath her. She um, had a pretty, uh, pretty gnarly delivery, um, second degree tearing, um, really quick delivery, um, not a lot of support at home um, or from her community. And so I'm seeing her for basically not being able to walk. Um, she had tearing, which basically when you end up experiencing anything in your pelvic floor, kind of like we've just been saying, ends up affecting everything. So she really couldn't lift her right leg. So she was barely walking into the clinic, um, really unable to hold her baby other than like in a lying position. So um, <laughs> on top of that, <laughs> you know, dealing with the socioeconomic, like, you know, how much help does she really have? There's also this question of like nutrition, right? Because she's breastfeeding. And how much time does she really have? How much support does she really have? What kind of nutrition does she really have? What kind of support does she have for the actual mechanical elements of breastfeeding? Um, and then on top of that, just really battling um, some aspects of postpartum life that I think a lot of women are very familiar with, which is this huge identity shift that occurs in becoming a mom, but also the anxiety that is like, boom, comes at you as soon as you give birth, both from the perspective of like caring for your kid, managing expectations of your partner, and then also um, you and, and the fact that it's so common to have these really anxious thoughts around that time. So that's why I think it's a really good question because someone like that, it's like, well, where do you start, right? I'm not a therapist, like a talking therapist. Um, I am somebody that can help you with your physical symptoms, but a huge part of your physical symptoms has to do with how scared you are to move and how fearful you are around everything else that you're doing with your kid. She even had questions about her kid. Like, is this normal? <laughs> this movement, you know? So I, it's, it's one of the things that I think is so important about postpartum um, care. And it's one of the reasons that I really wish it was standard of practice in this country to offer um, pelvic health as a standard of care, which it is not currently. Um, often my patients have to literally ask their providers for a referral. So um, I think of it as literal triage, right? 
if you're in pain, everything else is extrapolated. So, but I also can't put it on somebody that like, I want you to do an hour's worth of exercises if you just had a baby, right? So we really prioritized um, really just maximizing whatever position she was in, making sure that we could start to rebuild some of that strength. And then I used my time with her to do some manual work while I'm doing that manual work, which is helping to increase their range of motion. I'm also kind of talking through like, just so you know, all the feelings you're feeling, I'm, I'm legitimizing them, right? Because there's also this aspect of the postpartum experience, which is just like extremely isolating. And there's nothing you can do about that. You know, I can't go to your house every day and lift your baby for you. Um, and so, you know, with only one hour, we're able to kind of send her home like, okay, so you're, you're able to take these little tiny exercises and just start there and don't be overwhelmed. Just start little by little and we'll get you moving. Um, I kind of had given her some like, really like, you're definitely not weird for experiencing these crazy thoughts or any of that. But I had been like, you definitely need to make sure that you're asking for help, even though you don't want to. Um, and then on top of that, you know, just a lot of women don't know that um, it's now um, more common than not that your insurance is required to offer you a, a postpartum lactation consultant visit that's covered. And so I was just kind of talking her through that, like, just so you know, if you have concerns about this, this is probably the best person that's going to be able to help you, but then also kind of giving her some advice surrounding that because I have breastfed two babies too. So, um, and I also consult with a lactation consultant. So, yeah, so it's really difficult to fit all of that in. And I think it's a huge challenge. And I think it's also hilarious slash shameful that obviously there isn't already a system in place that holds women up during that time, because this is like the norm. This is like not a person who is strength training. I mean, which huge plus if that's you going into it, because that's already one layer, you know, that we're already acquainted with. Yeah. A lot of these things too, that you're saying sound applicable to women who are like, not immediately postpartum, right? Like yeah. get support, asking for help, trying to look at the bigger yeah. picture. It's not just hey, I'm two weeks postpartum and I'm dealing with some of these things. Like for me, I was two and a half years postpartum and I still needed that support. I didn't know right. I did it, right? Like I knew something wasn't right, but all of those things can be applied no matter, like, I don't know. I think postpartum is forever really and it can be applied at any point yeah. for me. Yeah, so uh, in the pelvic health world, we tend to say that the postpartum period never ends. It It really does affect your life um, as, as long, I mean, really, as long as you have kids and are a body who, who did that. And to your point about the two year mark, I always like to remind people that, um, postpartum depression is something that can manifest as much and even beyond two years after having a baby and even something as wild as postpartum psychosis, which is only something that happens in one in 1000 births, um, still can happen at the two year mark. And that's because, of breastfeeding. And when people decide to unlatch, right, or stop bre breastfeeding, um, your hormones can do all a thing. <laughs> yeah, right. I blame everything on the hormones, but for real, like it is a thing. So um, yeah, agreed. It's, it, it really doesn't ever end. And it's just something to take into consideration. And I think your work is amazing, because 
you are helping to normalize the fact that it is a struggle. And most of the time, that's like the most comforting thing to hear. Like you are not the only one, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So from what I know about you, Erin, the human, you do a really mm-hmm. good job of honoring your season of life, right? Um, yes. <laughs> and that season can change from day to day too, right? It's not necessarily like, oh, this four months, I'm going to do this. Like today versus tomorrow, things could change and require a pivot. So as a mom, now taking it on a more personal level, how do you not lose yourself in your work, in your clients, in your kids? Like, how do you find yourself getting back to you? And maybe that's with actions with, I know you're big into meditations. Like what are your grounding practices, I guess? Oh my gosh. I love this. I love this question. And I'm also like, all right, do we do this? Um, (laughs) So I think um, that it's... um, I've been thinking a lot about this because I'm in this uh, collective of business owners um, that are specifically in their like second phase of life. So these are people who maybe had a previous career and then now they're doing something a little bit differently. Um, And they're all, um, not all, but many of them are uh, parents, moms. Um, And so we talk a lot about this. All right. So what do I feel like are my pillars? I feel like, first of all, I I heard this phrase a long time ago in training, and I think it still stands. And I'm sorry, because it's inappropriate for some circles, but balance is bullshit. Um, And I think it's comforting to hear that. And it also plays out in real life, right? Um, Real life has seasons. Um, Real life has unpredictable things that happen. And um, I think it can be really empowering to just know you're not, your goal is not to hold everything really tight in homeostasis. That's not even what your body does, right? But your goal is to be able to ebb and flow, not to get real spacey on you, but kind of like we do when we think about like martial arts or something like that or water, right? Um, so the better you get at flow, I think the easier you are on your body. And I think the easier you are um, the more resilient you are really. So I think for me with that, I like to think about it with like that ebb and flow. I say it's harmony, right? You're not going to have all your cups. If you have a bunch of eight cups full of water, they're not going to all be equally full. Sometimes on the left is going to be really high and the cup on the right is going to be low. That means your life your work life is demanding a lot. And then your home life suffers a little bit temporarily. Mm. And then the season changes, maybe the day, the week, the month. Now, all of a sudden the home life cup is really full and the work life cup is a little bit lower. Like I love the the idea of like the flowing, like water. Absolutely. Right. And I think it's, uh, it's hard when you are a new mom, I think, especially because you don't have a perception of the weather, right? Like when you first have a kid, um, first of all, you, if you've really prepared, you've already read that book that makes it seem like there's supposed to be order. And I think it's <laughs> hilarious because then you have the kid and you're like, oh, where's all the order at? Thomas? And, um, so, I mean, and, and I'm, I don't have anything against, you know, somebody, uh, using some guidelines, right. That can be very helpful. But, um, in my experience, there's a lot more in your kid that you will need to pay attention to and find out than in a book. Um, And so I I think things that kind of help you to, or help me personally to recognize flow. Um, 
I know that movement, no matter how I feel about it on any given day, really helps with my mental health. So I have to prioritize that because um, if I am not well, it's that age old, like, you know, you're on a plane and they make you put the mask on you first, that whole thing. It's really true. You know, um, if I'm not well, if I haven't put um, a schedule in place for myself that supports my mental health, I am so much um, more frustrated with my own well-being and my own performance as a parent. Um, I think uh, it doesn't really matter what kind of movement, you know, um, a lot of people are like, well, I can't do it this way, you know, I, so I don't want to do it at all. And really, that will get you um, nowhere um, versus this idea of not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? So even if it's like, I struggle to get to the gym, but I know that my kid, if I have no other help, I know that my kid will sit in front of a TV, honestly, for like 20 minutes, then that's your 20 minute workout, yeah. you know? And it sucks because if you're somebody who's used to an hour and a half or an hour or a yoga class or whatever, um, that does suck because that's a transition you're having to make, but that is a season. And maybe if the midweek workouts are like that, maybe the weekend workouts are the ones where you can say, okay, whoever help you have, please take this kid. I need an hour to go to a class and an hour to sit around and faff on my phone or, or journal or whatever like thing you want to be doing. Um, so I think movement is a huge component of that. Um, I feel like I've seen you talk about this second component, which is eating enough. Um, a lot of um, people in general, not just women, are um, thinking that they're eating enough and they're just really not. And you don't really know that until you work with someone who can actually get you to sort of see what's going on there. But um, especially for parents, I think eating enough in the morning seems to be like the big thing that helps. And then the third thing is, um, you know, I feel like since you know me, you've seen that I do this, but like no matter what, every Monday before I get out of bed, I make sure that I do some sort of mindfulness meditation. Now I should say I am divorced, so I do not have my kids on Monday. So that makes it a lot easier. But um, if I have a day where things are really hard with my kids, I will still do that. So like if I have my kids, I will still find a time when they're napping or maybe even just like when they're playing to have a moment to check in with what's going on with my mind. Um, and really, it's just me taking my internal temperature, right? Like seeing like how how crazy is it up there? Am I like super overheated or am I just really cold and I need like I need that stillness. Um, and um, I often do that when I do have my kids with my, uh, with these like things that I feel like are inher inherently mindful for kids. So like things like bubbles, things like um, uh, throwing rocks in water, <laughs> you know, really uh, coloring or painting. If I can get my kids to like sit down, it's a little bit of a crate, you know, they're, they're always going to spill the water, but again, that's just, you know, that's, what's going to happen. That's okay. We deal with that, but it's better for me to have a moment to be more creative or to be more peaceful like that than to go throughout the whole day and just be really angry. Cause I haven't been afforded that opportunity yet. You have to create those pieces. And, um, I'm not a perfect being. I, struggle with all of that, but it's really, um, helped me to just recognize those are the needs. I would give them to my kids if they were necessities. So I need to give them to myself.
I love that mindset. And you even said something when you're speaking about how like you have to schedule this stuff for yourself. It doesn't yeah. just accidentally happen, right? Like Monday, no. <laughs> you meditate, right? Like you have a plan in place that helps you kind of lean into the ebb and the flow. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, part of leaning into that and the flow too, is being like, well, it didn't get to happen then. So maybe I'm going to have it happen at a different time. Um, and it's easy to resent if you're a person who, um, likes order, right. Um, it's easy to resent your kids, honestly, for not giving that to you. Um, so I do think it's, it's hard. Um, but it, but even just noticing the resent is sometimes enough to like let it dissipate. Um, but if you're going, 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 and that's the only thing that's happening, you'll never get the chance to notice that. So being able to just slow down for even a moment, take a breath in the middle of the day, I think um, can be hugely helpful. Yeah. Um, Have you ever read yeah. Blood and Doyle's book, Untamed? No, but I've listened to a lot of her podcasts. Okay. That is what happened. So I read her book or I listened to her book when my son was like a baby, like six months old. I don't know. I would just walk and walk and listen to this book. And something mm. that stuck with me is about how you're like, it's cliche. Don't let your kids be your excuse. Let your kids be your reason. But imagine you're mm. growing up and being like, oh, my mom couldn't work out because of me. Like my mom couldn't take care of herself because of me. What a burden to put yeah. on your kid, right? And I was like, oh, damn, that kind of like, hits home. Like we all have these reasons or excuses. I don't know how you want to look at them, but like the victim is going to call it an excuse or going to call yeah. it a reason when it's actually an excuse of like, no, that needs to be your reason why. And like, if we sit with that, that's a, a profound, that's massive. Right. Yeah. And I think it's very anti-cultural, right? I think the picture of like the mother that slaves away and gives up everything and how noble that is. I mean, it's nice. It's just, it's only one kind of story. And, um, and unfortunately it's a more common story. Um, and it's, and it is sad because that is the narrative that buries um, women. A lot of the women that I see, you know, and, um, and it's unfortunate that it's, um oh that it's more common than it should be <laughs> for sure <laughs> to put your own oxygen mask on first yeah um, yeah okay so arguably you know a lot of things right you are very educated <laughs> human. but arguably. knowing and doing are two different things just because you know doesn't always mean you're gonna do um I've yeah. seen you talk about you tracking your food meal prepping because you are chronically underfed if you aren't on top of it, right? How do you get to the point when you're like, okay, enough is enough. Like you fall off course a little bit and you know, mm. you find these behaviors falling in, slipping in where you're just not taking care of yourself. You recognize it and just time keeps going on. You're not changing anything. What is your breaking point where you finally get to the point where you call yourself on your shit, right? Like you have mm. those reasons, you have those excuses. How do you get yourself to the point of like, okay, I got to take care of me now because it's easy to fall in the trap of like, I'll do it later. I'll take care of me later. No. How do you get to, no, I'm taking care of me now. What are your, yeah. what are your things? <laughs> like um, if I yeah. don't, if I stop washing my face at night and I just go to bed, like it's silly things, right? Like if I recognize I'm not taking care of my skin or I'm not prioritizing getting my walks in with the dogs, like, okay, something's going on. So what are your things? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think honestly, this is going to sound so silly. Um, I think some of my things are, um, and it'll usually be like, for me, I will say that I, I am not a person who generally skips a workout, like, which I mean, I had a phase in my life where maybe that would have happened, but I think you were all a little different. And I'm on the other end of the spectrum where like, I, I, I crave it and I'm going to get it in and I'm going to make it happen. So the thing that actually is harder for me is nutrition is actually feeding myself enough and sleep, sleeping enough, going to bed on time, that kind of, you know, like we would never let our kids stay up. But of course, like after they're asleep, we're like, oh, I just need to take one moment of space. Um, So yeah, so for me, the things that start to be tells are um, my mood. So like with my kids, if I don't sleep, I, there's like a direct correlation (laughs) between that and how much whining I can stand. There should be like a little graphic, like a little meter, like six hours of sleep, six hours of whining. Um, And we all know our kids are great. They're great. They're so awesome. But like, they're kind of made to whine at a certain age. So um, for me, that is a big tell. Like as soon as I start like, like getting really angry, um, I, that's when I know like, okay, you need to go to sleep. You need to get some space. You need to call in some help, like something, right? Um, Food can also be a huge uh, help with that as well. And what I was going to say is as far as tracking food or being a little bit more meticulous about my intake, whatever that may mean at any given time. Um, for me, the tell is actually how I feel when I am doing gymnastics, which I know not everybody has that, right? But like for me, because I do pull-ups, if I hop up on a bar and I haven't been eating enough, or if I have been like uh, overeating of like one type of thing, um, I will feel it. And it makes me... Um, I don't think it correlates to me any longer of, of like, you know, shame or anything like that, which is a relief, but it's more just like, whoa, you know, like, it's just like a lot more than I want to be carrying. And for me, that is important because it also can um, contribute to any uh, creeping in of like old shoulder injuries and things like that, that I have when you're doing everything that you're doing with more load. Right. Um, so I feel like those are the, those are the two things that tend to be automatic for me. And the same way we go for gymnastics that it does for weightlifting, but I feel it in gymnastics more more readily. So like when I'm lifting a bar and I'm um, not eating enough, I can feel like really sluggish or not sleeping enough. I'll notice like I'm more sore. And I mean, I feel like in a lot of ways, parents are more tapped into that because we have to lift our kids every day. Whereas like people who don't have kids, it's like, you know, you maybe you have to lift a box, but you don't have to do this like very physical thing of being a parent. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like those are my tells, like being, being more mad at my kids than normal. And then also just having a feeling in my workout of like not being able to really give a lot to it. Um, or just feeling very ugh, like throughout the whole thing. Um, those are always my incentives to at least try to shift the needle in the other direction. Going back to our conversation about like flow. Yeah, for sure. I think that's important to know like your, your, your things, your signs, because it is so easy to get caught in the, like the ebb of our lives are full. We've got a lot going mm-hmm. on like, and it's not going to stop. But if we continue to allow ourselves to stay in the ebb and not pull ourselves out, not only is our life going to be full, but we're also going to feel like crap doing it. Why don't we feel good mm. 
while we're doing it and being able to recognize like, okay, these are my triggers. These are my warning signs that I'm not doing, like I'm going down a slippery slope. It's not going to stop unless I stop it. I think that's important. Yeah. I'd also be curious to know your thoughts because this was something that I was just speaking with a friend about. Um, Just on like, I feel like the hardest thing um, with working with a parent, right? It's just like, they're, everybody has limitations and um, and everyone's limitations are different. And so if like a parent comes to you with these goals, for instance, and it's, and you can kind of tell like they're trying to do the counting math, like it's just like too much, right? Like you're like, actually, I think you're just trying to put too many things in one barrel what I don't I'd be curious to know what your strategies are for like handling that because I think it's I think it's a tough conversation I think it's a tough conversation in general yeah to be like well we know that that you like being able to do all of these things but um, I think it's a lot about like just awareness right so my three pillars of coaching are awareness intention action we have to just continually go back to that awareness of like okay is this working for you it isn't. So what, what can we change this season? Mm-hmm. And again, like seasons can be days, weeks, months, years, but this season mm-hmm. trying to check all of the boxes, it is not working. It is more harm, more stress. than mm-hmm. So what is the, the low hanging fruit? What box can we take out of there to help eliminate some of that stress? Cause now you're less mm-hmm. stressed. It's probably going to be easier to check the boxes you do have to check. Right. Um, and then going back to your goals, like, well, why, why are we doing this? What are we trying to accomplish? Is it for a feeling? Is it for a look? At the end of the day, it's just constantly asking like, why is this important to you? And getting Mm -hmm. really, really clear. And like you answer the why. Okay, why again, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I had a client say to me a couple of weeks ago, like, did you realize that when you worked with clients, it would be less about the conversations on food and more about the conversations (laughs) on like how we're feeling and planning our days and the emotions surrounding it? Yeah. I didn't know, but it's, it, it's, that's the biggest part of my work. It's because it's not mm. just about the food. Like it's easy to just say, eat this, don't eat that. There you go. But that's not right. Just feel good because there's so much more that impacts your motivation, your ability to show up, you're wanting to show up. Mm-hmm. So going back to why, why are we doing this? How do you want to feel? Checking all those boxes aren't making you feel the way you want. So let's remove some of them and focus on that feel a little bit more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about it. Like, um, like there's this idea of perfection, right? That there's, that every client or patient is always chasing and, um, that person just really doesn't exist. You know, like, it's just funny that that's, it's a made up version of ourselves in our mind. Um, Even like the, the, the post baby body, right? Like mm -hmm. I think about me and like in my brain, what I looked like before I was pregnant. What, what am I trying to get to now? Because I didn't look like my, what my brain is telling me, right? Yeah. We have to constantly change our ideas our ideas or our our beliefs on our definition. That's the word. We have to constantly Mm -hmm. change our definition of what being consistent is, what like quote unquote perfect is, right? Mm. It it, it is always changing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also think that 
there is no other comparison um, from the person that has given birth, like what is actually happening. Because um, I had a friend, I remember who, um, when I, like before I had kids, right, was like, oh, I don't think I could ever have kids because I could never deal with like what would happen to my body, which is funny because that's the only thing I treat right now. <laughs> um, but it's, but for me, I think, um, although there have been things that have been really hard to accept, I also think that it's like this big experiment because my body continues to change even this far out from having had kids. I mean, my oldest is five and, um, and I usually tell people when they have questions about that, cause they inevitably do, you know, how long is this going to be like this? How long is that going to be like that? And I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know, but I can tell you that these things do change and um, you will change and how much time you will have will change. And your own body is the only body like it, right? You, you are your own experiment. There is nobody else that has your exact situation and has your exact body. But regardless of any of that, it is a gift, you know, to be able to, um, to explore what we can do with our bodies in helping our kids in aesthetically, even getting anywhere different than we currently are. And there's no shame in that. Right. Um, I, I, I think that aspect of things is you could be looking at it with horror <laughs> or you could be looking at it like, wow, what, um, a gift to be able to take this journey and to recognize how much a body can do and live through and still end up getting up in the morning and like, making some screaming kid breakfast (laughs) yeah Um, yeah evolution is is inevitable but it's the acceptance of the evolution that is like the the make or break right because accept that things are going to change whether you have a kid or not your body's going to change but until we can Mm. work on that acceptance piece it's like going to be yeah white knuckling it and that's no way to 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 go through it I don't think Mm. Mm. yeah um okay this has been so fun to talk with you. I appreciate your time today. Um, before we jump off, I do want to ask you what's your number one. So the number one challenge I hear from most humans with full lives is they have no time. I just don't have the time. So (laughs) you have a full life. What is your number one time management, time saving tip for busy, other busy humans? What is something that you do that other people could benefit from? Oh my gosh, that other people could benefit from? Um, Let me think about this one. So number one time-saving tip. So many things are like popping into my mind right now. Um, Well, one of them is laundry. I, um, there's always going to be laundry. It's a great beast that needs taming perpetually. Um, I think one of my biggest time-saving things, both with laundry and with toys being everywhere and everything. I, um, with my first kid, I, I was not like this, but I have really started to whittle things down. I just adamantly don't want more stuff. <laughs> or if I get more stuff, I have to give stuff away. <clears throat> um, and it sounds like the dumbest point ever, but it really is a goal of my new home. And it's also something that I think is really helpful because no matter what, my kids are going to take whatever's out and they're going to put it everywhere. Um, But if there's only so many things to put everywhere, 
And if there's actually a place for them to put it, they will sometimes help me put it back or I can at least manage that. Um, and then my only other thing, I know you said one, but I don't know, sometimes that earlier point, I, I feel like it'll feel impossible to people. So we'll just shelf it. Um, <clears throat> I am a person that loves to cook. Excuse me. Um, but uh, when I think about like counting macros and stuff like that, I, um, I, when I first started out and then every time I restart, I'm always like, oh, I want to make this like nice, healthy, fancy thing. So my tip is just make the ground beef. <laughs> just make the ground turkey. Like just put it in a pan and just stick some salt and pepper on it because you will find ways to use that more than you think. And we all feel bad about throwing away food. But it's going to happen. Your four-year-old throws away food. It's it's a thing, you know? And if it really makes you feel bad, you can look into some um, things like pets or compost. But um, it's, I think, been probably the number one thing that I could just, like, let go of this idea of perfection of slow-cooked meats or, like, perfectly cooked grilled fish or whatever and just be like, here's a ground meat and I have it in my fridge and it's going to help me live my life. Um, or if you need to go less than that, I've also found best thing ever, just have the deli turkey in the package, the kind that stays good forever and just leave that in the fridge. And anytime you're having a morning that's insane and you aren't able to eat breakfast, but you've made your kids the perfect little omelets and you're sitting there with like trash breakfast, like <laughs> you can do the deli turkey and you're probably going to be better off as far as like getting your protein in and feeling okay and feeding your kids better and just everything. Keep it so, simple. I like that. Tips. <laughs> um, okay. How can people find you? How can they work with you? Yeah. Um, I am really only in one place. I am on Instagram as Erin Lee DPT, E-R-I-N-L-E-E-D-P-T. Um, and if you have questions about anything, I'm always down to answer. Um, and um, I do a bunch of stuff on that medium. You'll probably see it. Um Mondays, I post a meditation. Wednesdays, I post about pelvic health. Um, all the other days, who knows what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, we'd love to meet you, talk about anything. Awesome. I will be sure to put all of your information in the show notes as well. Okay. Thank you, GM. Thank you. All right, friends. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Erin is a lovely human. Please do not forget to check the show notes to find out how to get in touch with her follow her, get help from her, whatever it may be. Until next week, 